Kings chapter 12, it highlights that. It highlights that, that split. It says uh, in 1 Kings 12, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel was come to Shechem to make him king. Father, we thank you for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity to come around your word. We just ask today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Father, and just help us to realize uh, the way in which you speak to us. Lord, help us to realize the importance of being obedient to your word, of listening to that still, small voice, and the, the, the dangers that can come our way as a result of not listening, of not being obedient, when we try and take matters into our own hands. Father, so many times... Uh, People say that, oh, being a Christian is just a crutch. And, Father, I'm thankful for that crutch. The fact that we have somebody to lean on, that those arms of the Lord Jesus Christ are far stronger uh, than our own, Lord. And I'm thankful for the fact that we can lean upon those everlasting arms. So, Lord, would you help us today? Would you speak to our hearts, Lord? And would you help us again to realize the mistakes Uh, that were made by the the characters uh, in the Bible so that we uh, can be spared making those same mistakes ourselves. So as we look at this scripture now, Lord, would you speak to our hearts, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So Rehoboam, Solomon dies, and Rehoboam becomes king. It's interesting that they go to Shechem um, to crown him king because this should have happened in Jerusalem. Um, But already we can see there's a bit of a divide between the north and the south. And we are told in verse 2 that it came to pass that Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. So Jeroboam comes on the scene. Um, And Jeroboam was a servant of Solomon. Um, But... Uh, we see in 1 Kings 11 um, that he lifted up his hand against the king and this caused the king then to um, Solomon to kind of go against Jeroboam Jeroboam flees uh, but he's given a prophecy in 1 Kings 11 um, that he will be king over 10 tribes of Israel um, and that two tribes will be kept uh, for David um, So Jeroboam comes back on the scene when Solomon dies. Uh, And Jeroboam gets honest with the king. uh, And he says to him, look, in verse 4, your father made our yokes grievous. Um, You know, we were taxed because of the the building of the temple and because of all his building projects. And, you know, if if you uh, would just kind of ease those burdens, um, then that would go uh, a long way. And he's just completely honest with Jeroboam, just lighten the yoke a little bit. And we see in verses 6 to 11 of 1 Kings 12 that Rehoboam goes to the older men and says, okay, guys, what do you think? And the older council say, yeah, do you know what? Jeroboam's got a point. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been tough. It's been a tough couple of years. Um, there's been a, a, a big burden placed upon the nation. There was a, a massive building projects with the, with the temple, with Solomon's palaces. And, uh, you know, it'd probably be worthwhile listening to that and let's kind of ease the burden a little bit and the people then will follow you. And then he goes to ask the younger crowd, maybe the group that he grew up with, not the group that his father grew up with. And he says to the younger crowd, well, what do you think? 
Uh, and the young men in verse 10 that were grown with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lead you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Great advice. Rehoboam listens to the advice of the younger crowd, and things do not go well. Rehoboam's decision was deliberate. Now you might say, well, why didn't Solomon give Rehoboam any advice? We saw last week that David said, son, listen to me. Be obedient to the word of God. Listen to God's voice. Be obedient to his word. Obey his commands. Just follow the Lord. Why didn't Solomon give that advice? If you look at the book of Proverbs, over 20 times in the book of Proverbs, it says, my son. Now, some people argue and say, oh, this is just kind of Solomon uh, reflecting, and it's David talking to Solomon. I don't think it is. I think it's Solomon saying to his son, listen, I made plenty of mistakes. Uh, we see that in Ecclesiastes, Solomon recognizing the, you know, the vanity, the emptiness of all of his possessions and all of his uh, material wealth. It's nothing. It's vanity. It's empty. It doesn't mean anything compared to a proper walk with the Lord. And over 20 times in the book of Proverbs, it says, my son, my son, my son, my son. It's almost as if the whole book has been written for Rehoboam. So why didn't he heed that advice? Have you noticed that when we seek advice and we talk to people, when we don't like the advice that we've been given, we'll go to somebody else until we get the advice we want. You know, we go to somebody and say, hey, what do you think of this? Well, I don't think you should do that because the Bible says and because I, well, I don't like that. So I go to somebody else. Hey, what do you think? And you just keep going from person to person until you get somebody to agree with you. And you think, well, why are you asking for advice in the first place? If that's what you want to do, just do it. Uh, and, and that's kind of what Ray Bohm does. He's, he's had all of this advice off his father. He's had this advice off the older wiser counsellors but then he gets the advice that he wants he says right that lines up with my way of thinking that lines up with what i want to do i'm not gonna you know be kind of held back in the past with these old fuddy-duddies we are going forward rehoboam's um, decision was deliberate and in verse 16 Jeroboam, or when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither the, um, that we there have we inheritance. Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. What that means is, is they head back home. And now the kingdom is split. Rehoboam has the kingdom of Judah. Jeroboam heads to the north and has the kingdom of Israel. Um, so when we talk about Israel and Judah, this is what we're talking about. So the kingdom of Judah was from Jerusalem down to Beersheba. 
whereas the kingdom of Israel was basically from Jericho right far up into the north, up towards Tyre and Sidon. So you can see how, how vast um, the split was. Um, ten tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. Now, for those of you who've got um, Bible maps, you might remember that in the middle of the kingdom um, to the south is Simeon. Um, but we'll discuss that um, later on as to how, um, how that kind of, there was only two tribes in the south and I was Jews and Benjamin and the rest of the tribes in the north and so we'll talk about that later for anybody who says, well I got a Bible map in the back of my um, Bible and uh, I've got um, one tribe right in the middle there that kind of shouldn't be there but we'll look at that um, later on. So we have this split. If you turn across now to 2 Chronicles chapter 12, We remember that Solomon left the kingdom in splendor. 2 Chronicles chapter 12 says, It came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord uh, and all Israel with him. When Solomon died... He left a kingdom that had splendor, that had power, that had the presence of God. And we already see the foolishness of Rehoboam. I am going to do things my way. Can I say this to you? Your way is never as good as his way. Uh, It's never going to work. Um, Here's the thing. We might say, oh, this is awful that this has happened. Ahijah spoke, the prophet Ahijah spoke to Jeroboam and said, look, God is going to give you ten tribes. If you follow his voice, you'll be blessed. Even Rehoboam had a chance in the southern kingdom to still be blessed. He was still king of Judah. He still had an opportunity to walk with God. He still had an opportunity to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. After all, in Jerusalem, the temple is there. You know, we're going to look at Jeroboam. We're going to try and do this chronologically, okay? So we're going to look at Jeroboam uh, maybe in a, in a few weeks' time, and we look at the split then, and, and what happened with the uh, the temples that that, uh, that he set up in Dan and uh, and that. But um, Jerusalem still has the temple, so Ju- Judah still has the opportunity to walk with the Lord. But as you study the life of Rehoboam, you quickly realize um, that his life is filled with just privilege and and pride and God's judgment can't be too far away when somebody lives their life that way Um, God is worthy of our absolute best you know we look at at Romans 12 1 all the time you know we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice God gave his all for us upon the cross of Calvary so why do we think we can give him our leftovers why do we think we can give him our second best all of these kings had an opportunity to walk with the Lord in a way that just gave him glory remember the whole purpose of the nation of Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles but what Israel wanted they wanted to be like the kingdoms around them they wanted a king their way not God's way that light 
is not shining to the Gentiles. Israel is becoming far more like the nations around them than their purpose. Their purpose was to make the nations around them more like Israel and point them to their God. Uh, But you can't do that when you give your second best. We see Rehoboam's personality. And it says in verse 1, And it came to pass, when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law and all Israel with him. He disregarded the word of God. All the advice that he was given from his father, all the advice that he was given, and bear in mind how Solomon had made some right beauties of mistakes. So he had an opportunity to say to his son, look, take it from me. I am speaking from experience. Don't do this. You know, I learned the hard way. My father gave me advice that I didn't heed, and look what happened. You know, I've made a bit of a mess. I've kind of laid a foundation here now with these high places and these groves and these, um, these idle stations. But Rehoboam's problem was a problem of the heart. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Don't you sit there and tell me, you know, I, does that, do any of you do this? This, this, this strikes me as really odd. I, I, hopefully my girls won't watch this back so they won't hear what I'm about to say. My girls have got this issue that if you tell them to do something that they were about to do, then they'll no longer do it. So if, for argument's sake, they were going to clean their room at some point during that day, and Joe says to them, hey, can you go up and clean your room? Then they'd be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it now. I was going to do it. Anybody operating that way here? Okay, we've got a few people who's like, yeah, yeah, we do that, you know. I was going to do it, but now you've told me to do it. I'm not going to do it. Some people just don't like being told. You know, Rehoboam had an opportunity to just walk with the Lord. Rehoboam had an opportunity to have a heart like his father David and bring Israel, Judah, into a great revival, even after what could have been classed as a great tragedy and a great mistake. Rehoboam could have said, oh, what have I done? And the Lord still could have said, it doesn't matter. We'll use this and we can see a great revival taking place in the southern kingdom of Judah. But Rehoboam basically says, thanks for bringing me this far, Lord, but I'll take it from here. How can we ever think that that's going to be okay? How can we ever get to a point in our lives where we say, right, okay, Lord, you've brought me this far, but I'm good enough on my own. Now, thanks very much. I'll take it from here. I don't ever want to say that. Because guess what? I can't take it from here. I couldn't take it from there, let alone from here. We need him every single hour of every single day. Rehoboam is the perfect example of a life that God cannot bless because it's all about me. Pride, me, my, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to achieve, this is what I don't need God for that, thank you very much. God is looking for people who are the exact opposite of Rehoboam. He's looking for people who solely depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Why? 
For without me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything without the Lord. No matter how strong we think we are spiritually, no matter how much of the Bible we think we know, we still can't do anything without the Lord. God's looking for people who depend upon him. David said to Solomon, depend on the Lord. Solomon, through all the advice he gave to his son, said, depend on the Lord. The first thing Rehoboam does is, we don't see him having a prayer meeting. When Jeroboam says, hey, look, you've got to lighten the load, he doesn't say that he says, right, okay, let me pray about that. But we do see that in the lives of some other kings, Hezekiah for one in particular. Oh, I don't have to do but let's pray. You don't see Rehoboam doing that. It's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll kind of sound out these other people and I'll make the decision. That's not dependent on the Lord. How many times have you made a decision where you've not even asked the Lord for his advice or direction whatsoever and then you found yourself in a bit of a pickle? We get ourselves into that position, but we still blame him for it. Oh, I can't believe you led me here. And the Lord's like, I didn't lead you there. You didn't even ask for my advice. You're asking for my help now, but if you'd asked for my advice in the first place, I'd have told you, hey, don't go down in that, don't go in that direction. God is looking for people who just depend on him. He's looking for people who are obedient to him. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. He, he saith that he abideth in him, ought also to walk, even as he walked. God wants those who are obedient to him or who are dependent on him. He wants those who long to see others come to know him. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He just wants our best. Can I say this, that Rehoboam didn't give God his best? The title of today's message is Rehoboam, giving God your second best. I don't even think Rehoboam gave God his second best. We not only see Rehoboam's personality, but we see his punishment. It says it came to pass in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shisha, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord with 1,200 chariots and threescore thousand horsemen. And the people were without number that came with him out of Egypt, uh, the Libans and the Sikkims and the Ethiopians. And he took the fenced cities which, came, which pertained to Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the prince of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore will I not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdom of the countries. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. We see the punishment come upon Rehoboam. He refused to be obedient to the Lord. He refused to obey the Lord's voice. He refused to trust in the Lord. 
and the Lord sent an adversary. Don't we learn from history? You know, did he not remember what happened during the days of the judges? Israel didn't follow the Lord's voice, so the Lord raised up an adversary, an enemy. And they were in bondage to that enemy for a certain period of time. And then Israel repented. And then Israel, uh, God raised up a judge, a deliverer. And then they had freedom in the land for a bit. And then Israel would do what was right in their own eyes. And they would turn against the Lord and turn their backs on the Lord and stop relying on the Lord. And the Lord would raise up an enemy, raise up an adversary. And then they would cry out and say, oh, we can't cope with this. So the Lord would raise up a judge and raise up a, a, a deliverer. Seven times that took place in the book of Judges. You think, why, why don't we learn from our past mistakes? Why do we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again? How incredible, though, that God is still gracious enough to give Rehoboam a second chance. You know, oftentimes we think, well, I just don't deserve... I don't deserve another chance. I, I, I don't deserve for the Lord to be gracious to me. But that's why it's called grace. Because we don't deserve, we didn't deserve the, the first chance. But he kind of gives us second chances, third chances, four chances. How incredible that the Lord is long-suffering to us. What? When we are his child... When we refuse to walk in his way and in his will, do not expect to get away scot-free. Because he says, as many as I live, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Rehoboam would not repent. And as a result, Shishak came against Jerusalem. Shishak took the spoils from the temple. But we see Rehoboam's predicament. It says in verse 6 that he, you know, he walks away from the Lord in verse 1. He, he seems to have a, a, a repentance in verse 6. In verse 12, he humbles himself. When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah, things went well. Praise the Lord. Rehoboam has a turning point. Wonderful. Now the kingdom's going to be blessed. Rehoboam's life is going to be perfect. And then in verse 14, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. That is a picture of an up and down life. That is a picture of an in and out life. That's a picture of a heart and cold on and off life. That is a person, a picture of a person who's completely confused. One who is torn, one who is trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, so to speak. It doesn't work that way. The Lord Jesus Christ said, You cannot serve two masters. You can't have a foot in the world and a foot in God's camp, as it were, because there'll always be instability in your life. There'll always be too much of a pull. That's the same kind of predicament that oftentimes we find ourselves in. 
We're up and down, we're hot and cold. One minute we're on fire for the Lord and nothing can shake us. And then the next minute we want to pack it all in and never go to church ever again. God is looking for people who don't want that roller coaster ride in their walk with him. Thank God there is victory in Christ, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be here today and say, look, Pastor, I just can't do this. Praise the Lord, you can't do it. None of us can do it in our strength. None of us can walk this walk. None of us can battle the temptations that the world throws at us. None of us can be fully prepared for what is going to happen next in this world in our own strength. But God gives us the victory over the temptations we face in life. God gives us the victory over the fiery darts that the devil's going to fire at us. God gives us the victory in those areas of our lives where we struggle if we rely on him. But if we try and do it in our strength, you will fall. You will stumble. And you will absolutely fail. Rehoboam was in a real predicament. He did what was wrong. He humbled himself. He was forgiven. Then he still did evil by not seeking the Lord. And this is where things get a bit interesting because then we see Rehoboam's pride. We are told that Shishak and the Egyptians took uh, the shields that Solomon had made. So it says in verse 9, So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. Now in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, if you want to turn over a few pages, 2 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 15, it says that King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold, 600 shekels of beaten gold went to one target, and 300 shields made he of beaten gold, 300 shekels of gold went to one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. These shields of gold weighed around about three pounds each. Those shields were worth um, 10,000 pounds each in today's gold prices. So all of those shields combined would have a value of around about three million pounds. There or thereabouts. These shields hung in the king's palace and they were taken down by the king's guard when uh, he went to the temple to worship. The king's guard would align uh, the avenue leading up to the temple, 150 guards on each side, each holding a solid gold shield. Can you imagine uh, the glistening and the gleaming of that gold uh, as Solomon would head up towards the temple to worship and he went through that path of 100 gold shields on each side, 300 shields in total. Those shields are stolen. So what does Rehoboam do? It says uh, in verse uh, 11, in verse 10, sorry, instead of which, so that when the shields were taken, in verse 10 it says, instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard and kept the entrance of the king's house. And when the king entered into the house of the Lord, the guard came and fetched them and brought them again into the guard chamber. 
Rehoboam commissions the metal workers to fashion 300 shields of brass. So instead, instead of kind of replacing the shields that have gone, instead of saying, well, okay, you know, nothing is going to look as good as those gold shields. We won't bother. It's better to not have it than have something that's like really bad. He commissions them to make these shields out of brass. Let me ask this question. Probably some of the older ladies in the church will remember the glass, the glass, the brass candlesticks. How easy is it to clean brass? What an absolute nightmare. So here's the thing. Not only were these shields substandard in their worth, they also took more care to look after than the original gold shields. Instead of facing the people of Israel and saying to them, look, we've got a problem. They've pinched our shields. I take some of the responsibility. It's my fault. You know, I didn't listen to the Lord. The Lord raised up an enemy. Shishak came from Egypt. He's taken the shields. Um, but instead of coming clean, in his pride, he's like, do you know what? I'll just replace them. You ever broken something when you were kids? You broke something and kind of tried to fix it so that your parents wouldn't find out. Ah, my days, the amount of stuff I broke from my mother's glass cabinet when you always used to have these, remember the glass blowers? There used to be glass blowers in in Lambert Radra on on the main road there and she had loads of stuff like Galleon ship. I remember, I think it was a galleon ship I broke. You can't glue that stuff back together. And any kind of replacement kind of stands out more than if you just took it away. Instead of facing the people, Raybone tries to deceive them and he creates an inferior substitute. Raybone, in his pride, did something just to save face in front of the people. And in doing so, he gives God less than his best. Rehoboam, just, uh, just Solomon, just wanted to give God his all. And you see that in the splendor of the temple. And you know, sometimes we can probably be a, a little bit harsh on Rehoboam, but that just causes us to look at our own lives. You know, how many times are we guilty of giving God brass instead of gold? How many times are we guilty of giving God our leftovers instead of the first part of our time, effort, energy, ourselves? You know, we are guilty. Look at that phrase, instead of. The gold shields are taken. And in verse 10, instead of, instead of the gold, Rehoboam settled for the brass. We are guilty, when we see that phrase, instead of, we are guilty of offering God some instead of things as well. When we operate in human effort instead of divine power, that's pride. That's saying, well, Lord, I don't need to rely on you. Instead of relying on you, I'll just rely on my own strength. That's pride. That's like saying we don't need your help. 
when we live carnal lives instead of committed lives, and when we kind of have one foot in, in, in the world and one foot uh, in church, when we live like the world and we talk and act like the world, when we, we're offering God brass instead of gold, he wants us to be in the world but not of the world. We're meant to stand out, not blend in. When we live in compromise instead of commitment, we're not giving God our best. We're giving God brass instead of gold. When we offer up excuses instead of obedience, that's instead of stuff. How many excuses do we make for not being in church? How many excuses do we make for not reading our Bible? How many excuses do we make for not praying? How many excuses do we make for not doing what God has asked us to do? That's giving God brass instead of gold. Instead of, and guess what? It's hard to work in the long run. How? Because when we make excuses, we can't ever pull the wool over God's eyes. He knows It ends up costing us more than we gain from the time that we save by not doing what God has asked us to do. Does God have our best? Or are we given in brass instead of gold? What describes our life today? Is our life pure, precious, worthwhile? Or is it a really bad substitute? Remember now, gold speaks of what in the Bible? Deity, purity. What does brass speak of in the Bible? What is brass a picture of? Judgment. Judgment. You see what Rehoboam is offering to the Lord? By offering his second best, he's basically asking the Lord to judge his life far more than if he gave God his best. Are we offering God a cheap alloy where the spiritual is mingled with the fleshy? Or are we saying to the Lord, here to my Lord, send me, use me. Everything that I am and everything that I have is yours. Brass or gold? Can I say this? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that Rehoboam wasn't the best king. As a result, the kingdom splits. As a result of trying to do things his own way, he gets himself into more and more of a mess. Maybe you are almost in that position now. You know, sometimes when you see kids get into trouble, the more and more they try to wriggle out of it, the more and more trouble they get themselves into. The Lord doesn't want us to wriggle out of anything. The Lord just wants us to come clean with him and say, Lord, I've messed up. I've made a mistake. I confess. I give it all to you. Just guide me from this point on. Because the Lord already knows where we are. Brass or gold? That choice is up to you. Do you want to give God your all? Or do you just want to give him less than even your second best? Father, we thank you for this day and this time together. We just are so grateful for the opportunity we have to come around you a word, Lord. And I just pray that you continue to speak to our hearts today, Lord. I pray that you would help us uh, as we look at Rehoboam's life. Father, we 
realize that these kings are recorded in Scripture for a purpose, um, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they're there so that we might learn, that we might uh, be able to look at their lives uh, and to be able to avoid some of the errors that they made so that we can glorify you in a way that you deserve. So, Father, I prayed you'd help us here today to always give you our best, to never give you brass, as it were, instead of gold. And, Father, I just pray that if there's somebody here today that's struggling in their walk, that that would be put right today, that they would hear you a still small voice, that they would be obedient to that voice, and we would just simply give you our all today. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We stand and sing our closing hymn together. And following this, I wonder if uh, Andrew Davis then will close us in a word of prayer. Amen.
Caesar this morning for that hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our God and Father, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And as we come before thee this morning, we thank thee for all that we've heard concerning the kings, our God and Father, a little concerning the judges, and these were men at best, our God, not the best of men, most of them, but men at best. And we see their failures, our God and Father, not to criticize them because we've got failures ourselves. And as we come before you this morning, we sang that hymn earlier, leaning on those everlasting arms. And we praise you that we're able to lean on those everlasting arms. When we make mistakes, when we do things wrong, we're able to turn to thee, our God and Father. Pray that, and we thank you, that we will not see thee in judgment, but we will see thee and stand before thee because of thy grace. Praise thee this morning for all that you do for us, our God. Pray for those who are not here this morning. We pray for those who are listening at home. We pray for, for Clive and Denise this morning. We pray thy blessing upon them and the whole of the family. Bless us as we part now, our God, we pray. We ask it in the precious name of